Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Wale Akinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. Today, we're going to continue with what we started last week about the Holy Spirit, a deeper walk with the Holy Spirit. Let me quickly say that please don't let the simplicity of what you're about to hear, don't let it deceive you. Okay? The Bible, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church and he said that lest as Satan deceived Eve, okay, don't let anybody deceive you from the simplicity that is in Christ. Because something is simple does not mean it's not profound. As a matter of fact, the deepest revelations are communicated simply, but they're so profound. So please take that, take note of that. And Paul, Peter, was writing, no, it was Paul actually, uh, to the Philippians. He said, for me to say the same thing to you, it's not tedious, but for you it is safe. So keep that in mind. It looks simple, but I'd like you to open your heart out as the Holy Spirit blesses us today in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, we honor you, we magnify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's do this. A deeper work with the Holy Spirit, part two. The nature and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The nature and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So, what we find out is that last week we spoke about, we started this series, and last week we spoke about the Holy Spirit, right? And we, we laid out some very uh, strong foundation about the concept of relating with the Holy Spirit and why it's so important and the dispensation that we are in right now. It's important we continue then with this foundation by saying to us that the Holy Spirit is God. Now, virtually every believer will tell you that, of course, I already know that God is, uh, is you know, is God, three in one, three in the Trinity. Okay, while the word Trinity does not exist in the Bible, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, just like the word rapture is not in the Bible. But these are fundamental biblical doctrines. Okay, fundamental biblical doctrine. For something to be a doctrine, maybe you should understand this. A doctrine is not something that is developed from a verse in scripture. It's not even developed, it's not definitely not developed from experiences of people, no matter how great the people might be. Doctrines are never based on experiences. They're never based on one verse. For something to be a doctrine, maybe I should start from there. For something to be a doctrine, it must go from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Okay? It must transcend from the Old Testament into the New Testament. All right? This is very, very important. Okay? For something to be a doctrine, and definitely, particularly in the New Testament, it must be established both on the, the words or the works of Jesus and in the epistles for it to be a doctrine. I hope you understand what I'm saying. For it to be a doctrine. It must be based on the words and works of Jesus and also established on the, on the works, on the, uh, the letters to the church, the epistles. Okay? So as a Christian, actually, as a rule of thumb, as a Christian, it's important you read the epistles first. Understand, read the epistles before you read. And know that, and I do it also, I know it's far easier to read the Old Testament and juicy 
than the New Testament. You know, the Old Testament stories are very Jewish, you know, because they're like soap operas. <laughs> it's like soap operas. When you read the story of David, you know, Abigail, Nabal, you can actually develop a Nollywood movie on that. True? Yeah. How Abigail said Nabal is a foolish man, he's talking to the husband, and Foley is with him. His name is Nabal, and Foley is with him. Then why did you marry him? But anyway, but Saul David, that is promising, is about to be a king, and the next thing, you know, he's already eyeing David. The next thing, David also cannot keep his eyes away from a woman. The next thing, Nabal is dead. David has sent a message to the woman. The woman too has, you know, like she's still mourning the husband. The next thing, both of them are married. Soap opera. <laughs> or like Abraham that is trusting God for a child, praying, coming out of a prayer meeting. Okay, this is my own interpretation now. Come, <laughs> coming out of a prayer meeting after the anointing service, and then the wife comes, makes a suggestion and says, well, since I'm like, why don't you go to the maid? And instead of Father Abraham to say, get it behind me, Satan. What kind of thought is that, Sarah? He said, uh, where, where? Well, I mean, it sounds very juicy, you know. So, so as a result of this, we tend to, 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 to go into the Old Testament more. But because, if you're not very careful, we're New Testament believers. The Old Testament is very valid. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. But because we're New Testament believers, there are some things, some things doctrinally that does not carry on from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Let me give you a quick example. The form, not the essence, but the form of worship in the Old Testament is not the same form of worship in the New Testament. Right now, you did not bring a goat to church today. Neither did you bring sheep for us to kill, for you to worship. When you're dedicating your children, you don't bring turtle dove, which they did to dedicate Jesus. Did you understand what I'm saying? So we don't continue that particular dimension in the New Testament. Jesus clarified that straight away and put a stop to that of the Old Testament. He started the New Testament and said, but now, from now on, the Father is looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Those are the two requirements now to be a true worshiper. You don't need the sheep and the goat. You see? So you have to understand that. Okay? So as we study and look at this then, we've got to understand the Holy Spirit has, the Holy Spirit is God. Now, there are six attributes that theologians tell us that if you have even one of these attributes, you are God. Okay? Um, but these six attributes are very critical to, for us to be able to say, okay, this is the almighty God. And the Holy Spirit as a person has all these six attributes. Three of them are on the screen here that you can see. Okay? The other ones, we'll talk about them some other time. The, 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 uh, one of them that I like the most is immutability. God never changes. It's exactly the same what it has ever been. And, you know, I like that. And usually I will say, all of us change. Don't we change? Yeah. We all change. We all change. I remember my, my son one day looked at the photograph when I Thompson and I got married. And when he saw the photograph, he looked at me, he looked at the photograph again. He said, were you a teenager when you got married? I said, <laughs> I said no, 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 no. It's the food your mother has been giving me since I got married that has turned me into what I am now. Praise God. The other day, somebody was looking at the photographs of people in the church and saw my photograph. He said, wow, Pastor, you had a lot of hair when the church started. I said, yeah. I said, when you joined the church, it's when my hair left. <laughs> Still have a lot of hair. Anyway, the Holy Spirit is God. And, and, and don't forget this. Acts chapter 5, verse 3 to 4 is very important. Look at what it says. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? 
While it remained with you, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Now, why is this important? It's particularly important because Peter is one of the few people that had the experience of seeing Jesus here physically as a person. For three and a half years that Jesus was here in, in his ministry here. Okay? And also experiencing the Holy Spirit, one of the first set of people that experienced the Holy Spirit in his dispensation in Acts chapter 2. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? And Peter is telling us that definitely is God. Okay? So if anybody ever asks you, Holy Spirit is not a force, it's not all that. You know, I'm saying this also because of a lot of our young adults, Holy Spirit is God. All right, let's take it off from there and move on quickly then. So what is the nature of Holy Spirit? God, the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at three of them today. The three important aspects of his nature. Number one, the Holy Spirit is gentle. Number two, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. And number three, the Holy Spirit is gradual in manifestation. This is very important. I'll take some time to explore this today. And if we have a bit more time, we'll talk about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. If not, then we'll continue next week. I don't want to rush this series at all. It's because it's important in our development Christian growth and development. All right, so the Holy Spirit is gentle. The Holy Spirit is, can be grieved. The Holy Spirit is gradual in manifestation. All right? So we're going to walk through a few scriptures. Now, let's look at the first one. The Holy Spirit is gentle. Please write down all these scriptures. They say the same thing in a sense, but there's a reason why I've captured the four of them. And I will explain that to you in a minute. So write it down. The scriptures say the same thing. Okay, and I'll, I'll, you will see them in a few minutes. But there's a reason why I wanted, I wanted to mention something to you. That's why I captured the four verses of Scripture. You will notice that the Scripture says the first one is Matthew, second one is Mark, the third one is Luke, the fourth one is John. These are the four Gospels. Now, please give me attention for one minute. The first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the Synoptic Gospels because... There's a lot of overlap in those three Gospels of the st of stories. The stories, as you will see there, there are overlaps. Each Gospel emphasizes a specific aspect of the life of Christ. Are you still with me? The book of Matthew's emphasis is Christ as King. Christ as King. The book of Matthew is speaking about Christ as King. You will see that in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. The book of Matthew is the one that speaks the most about Jesus being King and talks about the kingdom, kingdom. Kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Matthew is the one that speaks the most about kingdom, and he speaks about king. Where is he who was born king? Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. All right? Okay. The book of Mark speaks about Jesus as a servant. That is the dominant theme of the book of Mark. Jesus is a servant. The most important word in the book of Mark, you will see there is the word immediately. Because when you tell a servant to do something, they do it immediately. So you will see the word immediately. Immediately, Jesus went to. Immediately, Jesus went to because he's, a, he's being portrayed as the what? Servant. And in the book of Mark, there's no genealogy of Jesus because we don't care about the genealogy of the servant. Once the servant comes to the master, their history is erased. Okay? The book of Luke emphasizes Jesus as a human being. So the book of Luke is the one that really tells us the whole process of how Jesus was born. You know, how the angel came to Mary and all that story, you don't find it in any other place. And it tells us about the genealogy of Jesus also 
from the angle of the mother of Jesus. While Matthew tells us from the angle of his supposed father, Joseph. Are you still following? Okay. So the book of Mark, Matthew, King, Mark, what? Servant. And Luke, what? Human being. That's why the book of Luke will tell us Jesus went to the wilderness and when he came out, he came back with the power of the Holy Spirit for he was anointed because God does not need to be anointed, but the human being needs to be anointed to carry out the work of God. Okay? All right. And the book of Mark, Luke, is also the book that speaks a lot more about Jesus praying. So the word pray, prayer, praying, is all over the book of Mark. When he came out of the water in baptism, he prayed. Luke 3.21, and the heavens opened. So you see the word prayer, Luke 3.21, Luke 5.16, Luke 6.18, Luke 9.18, Luke 9.28. You see all the word praying, prayer, prayer. Why? Why is he emphasizing that Jesus is praying? Because in Luke 18 verse 1, Jesus said, men always ought to pray. So if you're a man, you pray. And because Luke is portraying him as a man, so he tells us he's praying. Is it making sense to you? All right. All right. Now, the book of John emphasizes Jesus as deity, that Jesus is the son of God. So he does not have genealogy because God has no genealogy. It just tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Then verse 14 tells us and the word became flesh. Okay? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and all things were made by him and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was light and the light was the life of men and the light shines in darkness and darkness cannot comprehend it. So John emphasizes that it's God. What is the point of all of this? This is important because I don't just want to teach you about the Holy Spirit. I want to give you a very good foundation as even you read your Bible. Now, note this now. What I, where I'm really going with this is this. The Holy Spirit is gentle. There are only two miracles in the whole gospel that is repeated in all of the four gospels. Only two. Most of them are repeated in only three. But only two miracles are repeated in the whole four gospels. The first one is the feeding of the 5,000. That's why take time to study that feeding of the 5,000 because it has a lot of insights that God wants to pass on to you and I. So feeding of the 5,000. The second one is the resurrection of Jesus. Those are the only two things that are repeat, miracles that are repeated in the whole four gospels together. Now, the Holy Spirit being gentle, manifesting as a dove, is also one of those things that is repeated in the whole four gospels. That's the point I'm trying to make. That tells you the importance of this, that God is trying to communicate to you and I, that the Holy Spirit, there's a, something there about the nature of a dove that is very similar to the nature of the Holy Spirit, that God is trying to pass that message across to us. So all the scriptures you see here, and we can go through them, Matthew 3.16, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. Mark 1.10, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. Luke 3.22, the Holy Spirit descended body like a dove. John 1.32, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. So you see it cut across the four Gospels because this nature of the Holy Spirit being gentle is critical. So let's take a quick take notes. The Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Gentleness. You can write these scriptures down. You know, Paul was writing in the epistles. Like I told you, for a doctrine, to, for something to be a doctrine, it must transcend into the epistles. All right. So, but let's look at it now. Look at, take note of this place. The Holy Spirit does not manifest, it, manifest himself without conscious invitation. I've seen many people go through some challenges and they will say things like, ah, is, uh, uh, God is in control. 
Well, for you to make a statement that God is in control, please listen very carefully. You better be in control of your prayer altar. Because if you're talking about God in this dispensation, you're talking about the Holy Spirit. When you say God, 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 God spoke to me, God did for me, God did is the Holy Spirit you're talking about. Because the Holy Spirit, I told you last week, is the one here on earth now. God the Father is in heaven, our Father who art in heaven. Jesus Christ, I showed you last week, is at the right hand of God, the Father in heaven, is until the second coming, is in heaven. All is, what he's doing right now is making intercession for us. Okay? He has two ministries. Intercessory ministry and advocacy ministry. Okay? Now, the person that is here now, carrying the full, rep, that is the representation of the Godhead, is the Holy Spirit. So anytime you say God, I hand the head to God. God is in control. God did for me. God spoke to me. Really, you are speaking about the Holy Spirit. Now, because of the particular nature, personality, if you want, of the Holy Spirit, because it's very gentle, okay, you will need to invite him consciously through the avenue of prayer. So please, if you're going through a challenge, please, don't just say, I know God is in control. He is in control to the degree to which you control your prayer altar. So you must understand that you cannot abdicate responsibility in the place of prayer and say you've handed this over to God. You can't do that. I can't do that. So we have to pray. The more we pray, the more we create room for the legitimacy for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do. Is anybody still in the house? All right, so that's a very important, quick implication of the Holy Spirit being gentle. All right, so he said, if you've been evil, know how to give good gifts to your uh, children, how much more will your Holy Spirit grant you the Holy Spirit? To those who ask him, not to everybody, but those who ask, ask means prayer. Am I correct? To those who ask. So let's note this. Another thing I want you to notice is the Holy Spirit is gentle. The Holy Spirit usually announces his entry, but he never announces his exit. And that is a major issue for many Christians because some people still think and I'm going to explain this to you because I want to take time. Is it okay to take my time this morning to explain some things to you so that you can understand and have a scriptural proof of the things you believe? The Holy Spirit might announce his entry. He never usually announces his exit. Acts chapter 2 verse 2 to 4 tells us that the Holy Spirit came as a rushing mighty wind. That word mighty there also can be translated violent wind. So he announced his entry, grand entry. Okay? But, but in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, 1 Samuel 16, verse 14, the Bible says, the, the Lord had departed from Saul. Now, in Judges 16, 20, you see a rushing mighty wind, all right? And there was fire upon each and every one of them. So the Holy Spirit, he announced his entry. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. He announced his entry. So what so the Bible says, a sound came from heaven. So we knew that the Holy Spirit was in town. Now, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Okay? But look at this one. When Delilah was, you know, st you know staring up Samson, she made a statement. He said, she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Samson awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before. At other times, I have history. I have history of seeing what God has done in time past in my life. So I will deal with this situation the same way. But the Bible says he did not know that the Lord has departed from him. 
He did not know. So he did not know. He did not know. If he had known, he wouldn't have made that statement. The Bible says he did not know. Now, now, this is very interesting, and we have to do justice to Scripture. So then, while the Holy Spirit does not actually exit the life of a New Testament believer, but he ceases to manifest his presence when continually ignored and dishonored. You see, because the Scripture says, I will send you the Holy Spirit, the helper, who will be with you forever. So, the Holy Spirit does not actually live your life. But there's a big difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is a validation that you are a born-again Christian. For the person that does not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit definitely is not born again. Once you get born again, the Holy God, Jesus Christ, comes to live in your heart, but by his Holy Spirit. Are you still with me? But that does not the same thing as the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. The manifest presence of the Holy Spirit is what does the, what we enjoy called testimonies. Okay? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is what brings an assurance that we belong to Christ. Okay? When we need that assurance, that's one dimension of his ministry. But the other dimensions of his ministry, which is what we really celebrate as Christians the most, that comes not because it's indwelling, but because it's manifest. Are you with me? All right, all right. So let me show you from Scripture. This is what Jesus said. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that's called by the Holy Spirit, that may abide with you, come on, forever. He will abide with you forever. That's abide, all right? But then he said, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it never sees him or knows him. But you know him, look at it now, he dwells with you and will be, come on now, in you. So this is the in you, in he will dwell and he will be in you. So that's where we find the word, theologically it's called indwelling. So this is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Notice the scripture, John 14, right? 16 to 27, four verses later, still in the same context, Jesus said, he who has my commandments and keep them is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest. So he's still talking in the same context. John 14, 16, 17 is telling us about the indwelling. Four verses later, he's telling us about the manifestation. But the indwelling happens because you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The manifestation happens because you and I obey God. Without obedience to God, the Holy Spirit is dishonored. When the Holy Spirit is dishonored, it's still indwelling, but it never, it doesn't manifest itself again. It's the same equivalence as when the Holy Spirit left Samson. So you can still be speaking in tongues. Yes. But the Holy Spirit's manifest presence is not there. All right? So please understand that. So this is it. There's a difference between the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this very carefully. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is a result of believing. Okay? Believing and accepting Jesus as your Savior. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit is a result of honoring him by obeying his word. So Christians that cheapen 
obedience. Christians that say, oh, it doesn't matter whether you obey God or you don't obey God. God, God is always forgiving. It is true. But you have to understand that the, God is a forgiving God. God is a gracious God. God is a merciful God. No doubt there's no sin anybody will have that God cannot forgive. Jesus Christ has paid the price by shedding his blood. But please understand that God is a just God. There are things he has put in place in his kingdom. I did not decide that. You did not decide that. God has decided that in his kingdom. Obedience is very important to God. Without this obedience, we dishonor God. When we, are in, when we are disobedient. And this dishonoring of God, God, the Holy Spirit, what it does then is that it ceases to manifest in our life. It's still in our lives, but it, it ceases to manifest. I, I hope you understand the difference. Now, the quick question is this. When the Holy Spirit then is still indwelling, but is not manifesting, okay, maybe because of disobedience, so what is the Holy Spirit going to be doing? still in us. We'll get to that in a few minutes, but he will be convicting us for, to be restored back. So he'll be convicting you to say, hey, hey, something is wrong, something is wrong, something is wrong, something is wrong. Then you and I will not say, wow, something is wrong. Father, please forgive me, cleanse me, and all of that. For if we confess our sins, it's just and faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John chapter 1 verse 9. So when he, when he does that, you and I are restored back to the position of fellowship with God. Okay? And as we continue to fellowship with God, then we will now begin to walk again in the gradual manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I hope this makes sense to you. So please be motivated to always obey God. It can be very costly. It might be the day you need the manifestation of the Holy Spirit the most. It's not manifesting. And that's the day you really need him the most because of disobedience. Disobedience can be very costly. Okay? Keep that in mind. Quick one, number two. The Holy Spirit is not only gentle. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Can be grieved. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 to 32. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Another word for grieved is offended. Offended. Another word for grieved Apart from offended, is injured. Injured. Well, how can I injure God? Well, that's what the scripture says. Okay? Okay? Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. Now, theologically speaking, the word sealed for the day of redemption is talking about you and I having the indwelling presence, indwelling of the Holy Spirit as an assurance that we are going to be uh, bodily redeemed. You see, redemption is in three phases. Okay? There is the redemption that we have right now, all right, of our spirits. Okay? When we give our lives to Christ, we have the regeneration of the Holy Spirit immediately. For in him we have redemption through his blood. In him we have it. Redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our sins. Right? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 tells us that. Then, but the same Paul in the same book of Ephesians now says there's still something called the day of redemption. Are you hearing me at all? This day of redemption here is talking about the redemption of our body. Now. Okay? So he's telling us the Holy Spirit is our guarantee that's been given to us until that day when our body will be redeemed from this world. Okay? Amen? 
is this sounding like a Bible school? Oh, okay, I get Oh, I see. You want the jumpy, jumpy one? <laughs> Listen to me. It is wisdom and knowledge that is the stability of our times. I can come here and answer and say, you'll be blessed. Amen. That's, this is what we Pentecostals do and charismatic. I say somebody will be blessed. Amen. You'll be blessed. Amen. Shout, amen. Amen. Shout, hallelujah, hallelujah. Shout, praise, praise. Somebody give me pray, praise. By the time you've done all of that, <laughs> you know, when I was in Nigeria as a, uh, uh, on the other side of the divide of Christianity, and I wanted to travel to this part of the world, I used to watch this particular movie, I watched it several times, Coming to America. <laughs> and um, I remember there was a particular preacher in there, in that movie, and the man preached, man, the man preached. He preached so much, only that he did not say anything of value. <laughs> and sometimes that's how Pentecostal preachers are. They preach, they go back and forth, they sweat and do all of that. There's nothing wrong in that if that's the personality God has given you. That's okay. But as, just make sure you communicate substance. Substance, because the biggest problem of Christianity today is spiritual illiteracy. There are many people that have been Christians for a long time. They cannot even tell you the basic doctrines of the Bible. And these are the things that give us stability so that the wind of doctrine does not blow us away. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? It continues, verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Forgive you. Okay? Now, how did Christ forgive us, first and foremost? How did Christ forgive you and I? He forgave us unconditionally. He forgave us. You know, he forgave us. Now, this is a very important part. The quick question is this. What is the cause of bitterness in the life of a believer? Let's just take one of it. Let's just take the bitterness part. Let's leave the rot, anger, clamor. We'll talk about that some other time. What causes bitterness? I need you to understand the anatomy of bitterness. Because incidentally, there's a lot of this in the body of Christ. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you for being truthful. It's true. There's a lot. This idea of bitterness is in, it's amazing. You know, husbands and wives that don't talk to each other and they show up in church, it's frightening. You know, this level of bitterness, marriages are under pressure because people don't even understand how to deal with the bitterness. They don't even understand why they're like that. And they keep saying, but that's the way I feel. That's the way I feel. Okay, let's look at the bit of the anatomy so that you understand where things are going. Is that all right, church? All right. So what causes bitterness? We'll continue next week. Okay, that means you're listening. <laughs> this is what causes bitterness. Unresolved hurt and pain. Unresolved. Not hurt and pain, but unresolved. You and I are always going to have pain and hurt. It is it being unresolved that is the issue. So let me show you the anatomy. So this is how it works. Okay? This is how it works. When a believer is offended by others and becomes hot, and the pain goes unresolved, so I offend you or you offend me, and the pain goes unresolved, this is what happens. It leads to resentment. That's where it starts. It doesn't start with bitterness. It starts with what? It starts with resentment. This resentment can go on for a long time. Some of us right now, as I'm speaking, 
that you're under the authority of my voice, watching at home or here, you might actually be right now in this face. Somebody has offended you. Somebody has injured your emotions, you know, hurt you. And you are right now at the point of resentment. How do I know you're under resentment? Listen, one of the litmus tests for being under resentment is that when you can't celebrate the person, when you can't celebrate somebody, you're, you're resentful. We Christians know how to hide things very well. You say, oh, no, it's not, it wasn't that. No, listen, just, you don't go to a surgeon and you're trying to hide a mass of cancer in your body. You tell them, I'm feeling the pain here. If you're feeling pain on your right hand side, on your left hand side, you don't say, well, just my left hand side because you don't want to say everything. You're under the surgeon's capel of the Holy Spirit this morning. Christians like to self-deceive. When you cannot rejoice with those that rejoice and you have the Holy Spirit inside you, guaranteed you are resentful. Somebody has a testimony around you. They bought a house, but you are the one that brought them to church. You even followed up on them many, many months. The now started coming to church little by little. You remember many times you had to go and pick them up. They come to church, they had a sermon after three, four weeks. They were able to key in. Sometimes something broke in loose in their life. They bought their house. They're sharing their testimony. Everybody is excited. They stand up, they're clapping. You sit down. But in this, what's, what's, what's the big deal? But the house. It's not the first person that will buy a house. <laughs> That's resentment. You might not say that, but that because the scripture commands us to rejoice with those that are rejoicing. Yeah. You know, if God is going to promote you spiritually as he wants to, one of the major tests you will have to pass is this test of celebrating somebody that has good news while you don't yet have the same good news. You will have to pass that test. Mm -hmm. You will have to pass that test. Somebody you coached, trained, tutored, helped with a resume, coached them to do an interview, will get a job. And you have been praying and fasting, doing night vigils, doing everything, sowing seeds, doing everything, seven in church, trusting God for gainful employment for six months. But now the person gets a job. And you're like, God, why? Why? I don't understand this. They said, they said you know, when you start referring to God as, <laughs> you are already being resentful against God. Your resentment has now moved to the heavenlies. <laughs> you know, you know, they said you are not a respectable person. That's what they said. <laughs> yeah, they said, but initially when you are in good mind, you say, Father, I know your word is set in heaven. It is written. <laughs> but when you're resentful, they said, you know, and, and you go on and on and on and that. You're basically, you know, and don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that I'm a super Christian. We've all been there. I've, I've done that. You know, if you know some of the things, that, type of prayers I've prayed. I've, <laughs> I've reported God to God. <laughs> I mean, I've done all kinds of things. I've, I've even tried to blackmail God. Oh, yes. I, there was a time in my life I was going through serious challenges financially when I was in London. And I, 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 was, I found myself saying, I was in the place of prayer, and I found myself saying, you are a father. If my biological father could help me on this issue, he would have helped me. This was prayer now. This is prayer. <laughs> now, you imagine that. So, but where the Bible says, if we've been evil, we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will God? But I was telling God that, basically, that my biological father is more caring than you. That was basically what I was telling him. And I was praying, you know, it was prayer. <laughs> 
you know. We, we've done all of this stuff, you know. But really, the truth is that at that point, I was already angry. And some of us actually today need to repent of being offended at God. Jesus Christ told us that John the Baptist was offended at him. You know, and we know how that one ended. It didn't end well, right? Some of us are already offended at God because we're disappointed that some, some things were expected to happen, they happen. Then some of us are disappointed that some things we expect to happen is happening through somebody we don't like. <laughs> a, group of, a group of Christians were praying in the country of Kenya about a century ago. They were praying for the restoration of the gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ. They were using a particular building. And praying, they were in the um, top floor of that building in Kenya, in the country of Kenya. And they were praying, oh God, restore the gifts of Spirit to your, to your church. And after praying for months, one of them, one day, the Spirit of God took over him, took over, and he started prophesying. He was saying, thus says the Lord, he was giving a prophecy, thus says the Lord, that which you have been asking for has been answered. So they shouted, amen, praise God, they started celebrating. As they came downstairs from that top floor, there were a group of Kenyans, they were meeting also in house fellowship in that building and they were speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues, manifesting the gifts of the Spirit and they were upset. That they were the ones doing the prayer. And now this, these people are now speaking in tongues. They were upset. That's what happened to Jonah and God has to ask Jonah, what is your problem, Jonah? I said, go and tell them that they offended me and that they will, they will perish. Now they have repented. I have said they will not perish. Jonah, and Jonah was telling God, this is what I said about you. This is what I said about you. You said me on this kind of error. So Jonah was saying, my reputation is more important than your grace. Sometimes we're like that. And we've got to be very careful. When your sister is being celebrated, you celebrate them. When your brother is being celebrated, you celebrate them. Don't allow that resentment to now lead. Because that's where it's going. When it gets to bitterness, it has taken root. That one you will need to really pray to uproot it. It's taking root. And this bitterness point is when it defiles. But there's still one stage further. And you see this, this process, you see it also in marriages, which when we go for our marriage retreat, you will hear a lot of that. We will have to do a lot of dissection in more details about this. Because what starts as a simple, um, I didn't put it there, I put it there, I didn't put my shoes there, I didn't put it there. Little by little, once it's unresolved, Things happen. Thompson and I, when we go, we're about to get married. We had this very simple rule. Very, very simple rule. We just saw the scripture that says, Don't let the sun go down on your, on, your, on your anger. And we just said that no matter what the issue is, we will have to resolve it before we go to bed. And nobody will leave the master bedroom to say, I, I'm so upset, I don't want to come to the master bedroom. I'm sleeping on the couch downstairs. It will never happen. We resolved that while things were good. But we're still... <laughs> <laughs> ah, marriage is very interesting, I'm telling you this. <laughs> when you see couples that are just about to get married, when you're talking to them, they don't look at you. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they don't look at you, they look at each other. When you're, are you asking them a question? They say, hey. I'm asking you, look at me. 
They ask me, say, what are you asking the man? Oh, sir, oh, congratulations. I see that you are engaged. What do you do? Instead of him to face you and ask him, what is wrong with you? But that's the way, you know, that's the way it is. Very soon, you ask the person, where's the wife? Say, She's coming. <laughs> he said, somewhere, somewhere. What happened? What happened? You know, we need to have this way of cleansing, washing these things away, resolving the issues. Okay? Then it goes to the next stage, which is wickedness. Wickedness is now when you are actively in pursuit of the person's pain. You are actively in pursuit of the person's pain. You want to do something that will bring pain to that person. When you hear something bad about the person, the Bible says we should not rejoice in somebody's pain. In the book of, when he talks about love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he said, love does not rejoice in iniquity. We don't rejoice that somebody is down, somebody loses their job, somebody's in the hospital, somebody, this happened, somebody had an accident. We don't rejoice in that as Christians. But when you find yourself, you hear something, not unpleasant news about somebody, and somehow in your heart, you're almost like good for him, good for her. At least now she too will know how it feels. You see, you're now at the point of not bitterness now, wickedness. That means if you actually do have an opportunity to get away with it, you will do something wickedly against the person. And at this point now, the Bible now goes on to say, there is no peace for the wicked. Because you have now put yourself, enlisted yourself among the people called the wicked. Now God is not going to be fighting you. At the point of bitterness, God is not fighting you. You are the one fighting yourself by defiling yourself and you can't connect with God again. At the point of wickedness, God is now actively fighting you. And really, frankly speaking, friends, you don't need to pick a battle you cannot win. So, where there is bitterness or resentment, please quickly resolve it. That's why the Bible says if you have ought against anybody, what does the Bible says you should do? Go to them, talk to them. You know, because you know, a lot of the things, like one man said to me many years ago, you, we judge ourselves by our own intentions and judge other people by their actions. Big difference between the two. You say, well, I didn't mean it that way, but this is what I was trying to do. Well, but I thought, I thought, but I thought, you are perfect as far as you are concerned. Even when you make a mistake, your defense is that I didn't mean it that way. But like I said, I said to my wife, I said, you know, people say, I didn't mean it that way, I didn't mean it that way. I said, but if somebody is a drunk driver or just an accident and killed a father, a man that just got married, you know, marriage is one year old, the wife is pregnant, and kills the person, and somebody that intentionally takes a car as an act of terrorism, runs the person down, as far as the woman, the wife is concerned, it is the same thing. The father is lost. The husband is lost. Is that not right? So whether you intend to, you don't intend to, you have caused pain. So be humble yourself. Stop saying, I did not intend to, I did not intend to. Just say sorry. Just say sorry. Instead of being arguing, I didn't mean, I didn't, just tell the person, oh my God, I'm so sorry about that. Tell them you're sorry. I don't know why it's so difficult for Christians to say sorry. Particularly men. Some men had vowed they would never say sorry to their wives. I don't understand it. How do you survive marriage? Hey. It's almost 27 years in this to know. I must have said sorry maybe 27 million times. You say sorry. 
really sad. That's how we survive as, as, as men. If you see anybody that their marriage has lasted, trust me, they have said sorry several times. That's one good thing that my father left for me as a legacy. I mean, he's still alive, but that, you know, taught me while I was still under his roof. I saw him say sorry to my mother many times. And he, 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 he might be watching. He said it several times. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it, at least it, I, I had that from him. He would say it, you know, in my dialect, oh, okay, 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 okay. He would resolve the issue because he doesn't like to be in a house and a woman can really raise the temperature. Trust me. Some women are very gifted. They can really, really. Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace has nothing on them. They can really raise, I'm telling you, they can raise this thing. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm telling you this, men, listen, there can be no productivity without peace. There can be no productivity without peace. If you are thinking to yourself, I don't care, it just basically means you don't understand. Whatever level of productivity you think you have right now without peace in your home, it just, it just tells you what your potential could have been. You're missing out on a lot you don't know. Think about a country like, like presently like Libya, sorry, um, Syria. Where's the productivity in Syria right now when the whole place is damaged? When there's no peace, there's no productivity. Right now, what Ukraine needs weapons, not economic summit. When there's no peace, that's why, the, if you're looking for scripture, Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Check it. And the churches had peace and they were edified. Walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they multiplied. That's what it says. Peace. You must intentionally avoid crisis at all costs. If it's going to cost you your pride, let it cost you your pride. Avoid it. Say sorry. It won't kill you, you know. I've said sorry several times in my life and I'm still looking forward to saying sorry again. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. Oh yes, it's normal. It's normal. The good thing I just, I just thank, that's why I'm married. I thank God I'm married to a woman. They have wide threshold for pain. Yeah. If not, many of most men will not be married. Because we don't even, you know, if a woman does something, the man is already getting very feisty. There's something, I don't like this, they don't like this. But what about all the ones you have done? What, you're not God. You've made mistakes. You're a human being too. Not true. You're an alien? <laughs> You've made mistakes too. You're not God. You're not perfect. You're not Guru Maharaji. You're not the living perfect master. You are a person that makes mistakes subject to errors. Don't judge yourself by one low standard and judge other people by extant, uh, high standard. Okay? And also understand that you don't know the full story. When you don't know people, I'm talking to people that are not husband and wife now. When you don't know people's full context, sometimes you misjudge their actions. Because you don't know the full context. You see somebody, you greet the person, good morning, they didn't answer you. Somebody else comes 10 minutes later, greets them, good morning, they say, oh, hi, how are you? You don't know the person is using the hearing aid. And at the time you greeted them, they didn't have the hearing aid on. So they didn't hear you. You see, now it changes the context. Now you feel sorry for the person. You won't feel like you won't even pray for the person. You see? But before you were upset. 
You're upset. I greeted him. He didn't greet me. He's been partial. And somebody came back. Just 10 minutes. So 10, less than 10 minutes. Greeted the person. But the man had just realized that people were going by him and greeting him. And they didn't understand. He said, oh, my hearing aid. Put his hearing aid on. People sit in church. They use hearing aid. You don't know. But you get upset. Somebody's going by you out. Comes out. You're greeting. Yeah, good afternoon, sir. Yeah, good afternoon, sir. You're even cutting. The person is running. He's going to the washroom. He has diarrhea. <laughs> I'm sorry, let's, let's wrap up this service. We're going to this service. You don't even know. Let's not pretend this is happened. The man came to church, he was worshiping God. This is my worship, all of my worship, all of a sudden, all of the things he ate yesterday night. He's <laughs> giving him diarrhea. And what, what can he do? He has to run to the washroom. So while you are greeting him, you have to do, sir. How are you, sir? The man is not hearing me. All he's thinking about is, sir. His prayer point at that point is that, may I receive favor from God? <laughs> that I won't meet, that the washroom will not be full. <laughs> you know, that the, there will be an empty stall in the washroom. He's just trusting God for favor. <laughs> so let's make sure. Let's understand people's context. Let's give them, let's give them a long, long rope. Let's create room. Let's make excuses for them. This way, you and I will live long. No. When the Holy Spirit is grieved in the life of a believer, he ceases to manifest his presence but continues to exercise his ministry of conviction, leading to repentance. And you know, 1 Corinthians 7 8 to 10 tells us about godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Are you being blessed by this today? Okay. Okay. So let, let's take it quickly and move on to the last one, and then we'll see. The Holy Spirit not only is gentle, not only can he be grieved, please let's resolve resentments and bitterness even as we um, um, leave the service today. Let's intend to make a change in that regard. One other thing I want to say quickly here to wrap up this is the Holy Spirit is gradual in manifestation. You have the Holy Spirit, I have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. That's exactly the same. Because the blood that was shed for you, the blood of Christ is the same blood that was shed for me. No matter who I am in Christ, no matter how much I grow, no matter how far I've gone in Christ, it's the same blood that was shed for us. This, our salvation is equivalent, is equal. Are you still with me? Now, so we have the same indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is an assurance that was given to us that Christ has changed our lives and is in our lives. He's our Savior. However, the expression of that Holy Spirit in our, through our lives, in his manifest presence, can grow. And this is the difference between a general overseer, Pastor Iya Deboye, and me, and a new believer. The difference is not our salvation. The difference is that expression of the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me now? Yeah, that's the difference. Okay? So, it's, it's a bit of a long one. Ezekiel 47, verse 1 to 12. So, I'm going to rush through it quickly. Then I'll make my point. But what I want to see here is that when the man came out, he saw a vision. Ezekiel saw a vision, okay? When the man came out, he measured 1,000 cubits. Now, listen to this. This 1,000 cubits got to the, what I've underlined there, it got to where? Ankles, right? Then he moved on, measured another 1,000 cubits, and he got to what? Verse 4, my knees. So you can see the gradual progression. Then another 1,000 cubits, and he got to my waist. All at this point now, you could see growth. 
but you can't see visible result. But there's growth. Ankle has turned to knee, knee has gotten to waist. Growth in expression of the Holy Spirit, but there's no visible result yet. Then the Bible says, he measured another 1,000 cubits now, and it was a river, all of a sudden. And this, the water was too deep. I'm coming to that in a minute. Water in which one, one must swim and cannot be crossed. And then what happens then, after this next 1,000, where it gets to, becomes a river, it says, verse 7, when I returned there along the bank, I saw very many trees. All of a sudden, visible results. Visible result because of the increase, gradual increase in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Are you still with me here now? This is a very important concept in the body of Christ. The kingdom of God is set up in such a way that it gives us an opportunity to grow. We grow. And in order to grow, one key element that is required for growth is humility. You and I must respect people and respect results. If you don't respect results, you will not grow in the body of Christ. Guaranteed. The reason is very simple. Listen very carefully. God has ordained it to reach man through man. Even salvation, God did not do salvation by himself. He still reached God through what? Through man. Jesus became, he became a man. That's the way God has ordained it. I don't know why. That is not revealed in the scripture. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. The ones that are revealed is the one we teach I don't know why, but he has designed to do it that way. So, if I would not have respect and honor the grace on the man that I see that has produced, that the Holy Spirit has produced results through, I would not be able to connect with. Let me say this to you there is no original grace anymore. For example, there are apostles today. There are people that are apostles today that work in apostolic calling. But there is no more apostle of the Lamb, Lamb, Lamb of God. There are only 12 apostles of the Lamb. Those 12 apostles are the original people Jesus called to himself, except Judas Iscariot that left and Matthias took his place. They are the ones whose names are written on the gate in heaven. No matter how apostolic a person is now, your name will not be written in the gate, gate in heaven. Are you following what I'm saying, somebody? Those are the apostles. So every other apostolic calling takes it from them. You have to understand that. You say, oh, I want God to give me a revelation now. Um, um, Paul went to Damascus. On the road to, he went to Arabia, sorry. He spent three years in Arabia. God gave him. He said, I did not receive this revelation from man. I received it directly from God. Be my guest. Go to Arabia. God will never give you any, the only revelation you're going to have when you go to Arabia and you want to go and settle yourself is to take your Bible and read your Bible and it won't give you a revelation, theologically speaking now, it will only illuminate the revelation he has already given. I hope you understand what I'm saying now. So nobody's going to write any other scripture. The canon is fixed. It's completed. So please understand that you will have to honor man. When you don't honor man, the presence of the Holy Spirit in them, that's why we honor, we don't worship men. We don't worship people. Okay? But we must honor them because when we don't honor them, the, the grace at work in their lives does not flow. I hope somebody's hearing what I'm saying here. We are living in a world now, particularly a lot of people in the, in the Western world, that because of the teachings of, 
having an egalitarian society, they don't understand that the kingdom of God is not egalitarian. The kingdom of God is hierarchical. And I know people, people feel that hierarchical organizations are old school and is an outdated concept. I agree with you when it comes to physical organizations. Unfortunately, the kingdom of God is not a physical organization. And God is still hierarchical. There's no prayer you and I will pray that we will suddenly get promoted to become part of the 24 elders in heaven. <laughs> Those ones are already there. How were they choosing? Why are you asking me? The, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. I don't know. The scripture does not say. So you have to understand that. The Bible tells us that Elijah was very heavily anointed. But when it comes to Elisha, the Bible says they came to Elisha. 2 Kings 2, verse 15. And they said, the spirit of Elijah is now on Elisha. So, but what spirit was on Elijah? What spirit was on him? The spirit of God. But why didn't they say the spirit of somebody else, another person's name on Elijah? No, because Elijah was the pioneer, a pioneering blueprint of a particular dimension of the work of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? While Elijah had a double portion of that, while Moses never got into the promised land, it was Joshua that got into the promised land, but when Jesus showed up on the Mount of Transfiguration, it was Elijah and Moses, the pioneer's blueprint of that dimension of the move of God. Elijah is the first person in the whole Bible that raised the dead. Moses is the only person in the Bible that saw the handwriting of God. So God said to Joshua, this book of the law, it was written by somebody else. This book of the law, somebody has collected it. You can take them to the promised land, but somebody has got that book of the law. It's on my handwriting. So those ones are still there. It is Moses that laid hands on Joshua, and the spirit of wisdom came upon him from that day forward. Are you hearing what I'm saying, somebody? So these are concepts. These are concepts. When Colinus had prayed, his giving had come to God. God said it has been accepted. Then God now told Colinus. He says, go to Simon Peter. The angel appeared to Colinus and said, I'm sending. Why didn't the angel tell Colinus what the issue is? He said, go call Simon. He's dwelling somewhere. Go and bring him. If Colinus had said, why? Why? God has already answered my prayer. Now, what's the big deal? He will not be saved. Because we have a lot of people today, particularly us, that we have a high intellectual quotient. I feel for you. Because they always use their intellect to reason the things of God out. It doesn't work that way. You see, as a, when I was, I was in school, I was studying pharmacy. I could, like, okay, let me use my sister as an example. One of my sisters. When she was doing her PhD, one of the people that supervised her, okay, supervised her PhD, finished, then, of course, she finished her PhD, she became an expert in her field, she became a lecturer. Both of them are lecturers. They're doctors. Now she has, she has a PhD. She's an expert in her own field. If there has an issue in that particular field, even the man that supervised a PhD will have to refer to her because she is the expert in that field. Do you follow what I'm saying? Spiritually, it doesn't work that way. There is nothing that Pastor Adeboye is going to refer to me. <laughs> I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying. If I listen, I'm the one that will refer everything to him. There's nothing he's going to refer to me. A brain surgeon is not going to refer anything to a medical student. But we, we are dealing with a group of people now that already think they know everything. And like I told you last week, if you think you already know everything, you're already out of school. Because you don't know as you ought to know. 
So he continues to tell us the, the things that we, we saw there. Please, when you see things happening in people's lives, let me, let me explain something to you. I've said this many times, and if you've been hearing me for some months, you will know I say this quite often. If you see result in the life of a Christian, and you go to that person, and say, I see your marriage, I just see, sir, can I just have like 20 minutes to do Five minutes. I see your marriage very peaceful. The way your wife is, your children are. If the person tells you, "Oh, it's just the grace of God," what they are telling you is, "I don't want to tell you my secrets." Don't take it and say. You know, some people are already explaining the way they say, "Oh, I know that um, um, Pastor Pastor Sage, his marriage is very good. His wife, they're always with the guy, and they've, they've been married for 25 years. Oh, that's good. It's just God. You know, God can do anything He wants to do. Ah." You will suffer for a long time if you have that attitude. You will suffer for a very long time. You have to understand that God is not partial. There must be something that man knows about marriage that he has applied, that committed God to do what God has done. You heard the testimonies today now. Somebody was looking for a job, said they said no, and so on and so forth. And uh, was it the job one or the admission one? And the person said, then I went on the app, I gone through the prayer school. Now, people miss those kind of things. They say, oh, God did it for that sister. He will do it for me too. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Because God has done it for that sister or that brother doesn't mean he will do it for you until you do what that sister or that brother has also done. That's why I personally don't like testimonies of people saying, uh, uh, uh. I know people give executive summary sometimes. They say, I was blind. Now I see. Praise God. Okay. You have informed me, but you have not educated me. When you were blind, and now you see, what happened in between? Because what happened in between is what I'm really looking for. Well, if I know what happened in between, then any time I'm faced with blindness, my eyes will open also. God is not partial. So I've learned that lesson. If somebody tells me, it's just the grace of God, I say, ah, to God be the glory. So what did you do to get the grace of God? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's my next question. When I'm listening to people, that's what I'm looking for. What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? That's the question I keep on asking. What did you do? What did you do? When I got to pharmacy school, my second year in pharmacy school, it was it's very hard, very hard, very, very hard. In my school, they made it they're very hard normally, but in my school, the, most of the lecturers, they were not from the earth. They came from another part. They just had the mandate from the heavenlies to make simple things hard and hard things impossible. They were just difficult people. And they would look at you and let you know it's difficult. So I remember when I left, when I, my first year um, in the pharmacy faculty proper, I, 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 my confidence, I've not even started lecture, just resuming, just going around the faculty. My confidence was already rocked. Everybody I met, ah, it's hard to this one is, ah, just welcome. It's very, ah, ah, I lost confidence in myself already. Now, I'm coming from my first year where I did basic sciences. And by the special grace of God, I had the first class in my basic sciences in the first year. I was already in first class. But my confidence was already rocked because everyone was telling me it's hard. But as God don't have it, I ran into one young man. Young boy, young boy. Probably was about maybe 18 or 19. Smart cookie. So I ran into him. Just I didn't know anybody. I just ran into him. I said, hey, hello, hi, hi, how's the something? He just did like this. 
Ah, so I knew I was in the right place. So I he said, he said, no, don't, the only thing you just have to pay attention. Once you finish lecture, read on the same day. He said, don't wait till that it's going to be another one week. He said, once you finish class, make sure you read what they said in class. He said, because the following day, they will build on it within one week. Once you don't understand that first Monday, 30 on Monday, by Friday, you have completely lost. He said, so once you finish the lecture, same day, read. Later on, I found that the guy was the best student in the previous class. I, it was just coincidence. Because every other person I've met, everybody said, ah, it's difficult. It's hard. It's this. It's that. Find the right people and ask them, what do you think is hard might be very simple. So, oh, they told me it's very hard to buy a house. It's very hard. Just find the right person. Find the right person that will tell you. Find the right person that will tell you it's not hard. Not crooked people. Not crooked people. But find the right people that will tell you what it takes to do. I pray God will put you around the right people. I pray God will put you around the right people. Yeah. So, listen to this now. I'm wrapping up with this now. The Holy Spirit is gradual in manifestation. is based on our depth of relationship with him. And the level of this manifestation is what determines the level of the results we will get. It's based on the depth. So, when you see visible results, please understand there is depth. What you are, the question you are asking for is to find the depth, to lay hold of that depth. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. Please don't explain the testimonies in people's lives away. It's a trap of the devil. Don't say to yourself, oh, of course, why not? It's been in Canada for 15 years now. Please don't do that. Don't do that. The level of manifestation... So the time is the level of result. When we see people like Pastor E. Adeboy that God has used hugely across the world, please don't make a mistake and thinking God just decided to use a man. Hmm. That's the way failures interpret success. They interpret success by giving excuses. So it just happened. They think it's happenstance. That's the way failures interpret success. It's happenstance. It's not happenstance. You have to look at it and say, definitely God has a plan. But without a shadow of that, man paid the price. The question is that the God part is fixed. The man part is variable. What price did he pay? Even if I can't pay everything, what part a little bit can I pay? The example I just used in pharmacy school now, I did not become the first best student in my pharmacy class. I was the best student among all the human beings. <laughs> Unfortunately, there were a few aliens <laughs> in my class. <laughs> you know. but, but even with the aliens and non-aliens, I was still in the top 10, which is not easy. You're not clapping for me. OK. OK. OK, you think it's easy. <laughs> Everything is think it's easy. It's okay. It's okay. Everything you think it's easy. Go and buy it. Chemistry textbook. <laughs> I try to read and understand it. It's not, you know, I was only the top 10 by the grace of God. And I told my dad that, my dad said, oh, I, I saw that they were calling people out for pharmaceutical chemistry price, this pharmacology price, toxicology price. What happened? I said, oh, no, no, no. So, so. It depends on the supervisor of the project. So, 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 so. Don't come and kill me. It's easy. 
<laughs> that I even came out of the school. You don't even know. You know when people did not come out. They started with me. They come out. That God has been my half and Omega. You're telling me that this. <laughs> what do you want? Do you want the certificate or you don't want the certificate? Leave me alone. Kill me. You know. But <laughs> so old grievances of thirty something years ago. <laughs> you know. So you got to understand. That's what brings this up. So. Your invisible depth in God is what determines the dimension of visible results you will enjoy. I'm going to lead you in some prayers today, this morning, and I want you to take the prayer points very seriously. There's going to be three points I want us to pray quickly this morning because it is your depth in God. People look at visible results, but what you should look at keenly is the the depth you should look at. What are the layers of revelation the person has that has produced this? Whether it's the marriage, the job, the testimonies we've had now, what happened there? Somebody said, I went and I listened to the prayer school. And you could see the person giving us instances in that particular thing. See the diligence. I listened to this. I listened to that. The geo. I listened to this. I listened to that. You see diligence is one of the principles you will learn there. Attention is another principle there. Application of the word is something else that we, we learned from that testimony. And look at the result they produce. If you take those three things alone today and you take that with you, you will produce results also. Can I hear an amen? amen. So we're going to pray. Any area of your life you're not seeing the result you expect to see, please understand God is not withholding it. God is not partial. It is only a function. You have a gap of knowledge somewhere. That needs to be breached. So this afternoon, I want to lead us in prayer. We're going to pray for God. That's the first prayer point. To take us into a deeper dimension of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Father, take me into a deeper dimension. Yes. Yes, Lord. Take me to a deeper dimension of a relationship with your Holy Spirit. Come on, lift your voice quickly. Let's pray. Mali pakuto doma rekele tondo bara baba baba baba. Ilaboski atayat. Ilaboski antayelelebosia. Ye pakuto ma preketo ma kele tedoboskiya. Kiya kutobos kele tengeleleboskiya. Father, take me, oh God, I pray, into a deep dimension of your Holy Spirit, of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I thank you for how far you have brought me by grace. I desire more. I desire more. I want to see greater manifestation of your Holy Spirit. I want to see a greater manifestation of the Holy Spirit in my life and in the life, oh God, in my ministry. I want to see a greater manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you today, your word says, ask. You will give to those who ask. I am asking you today, oh God. Somebody pray. Bakotoboskia, 
Lempankorobowska, pray. 30 seconds more, pray. Ask God for grace. I want a deeper dimension. I want it. I want it. I want it. Father, I call upon you, O God, grace to have a deeper walk with the Holy Spirit of God. You are able to make all grace abound towards me, that I may have sufficiency in all things and abound in every good work. Father, I pray. Thank you, my Father. Blessed be your name, O God. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Come on, I didn't hear you, church. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Listen carefully, friends. One thing I've learned about God, grace is transmissible. It's transmissible. It's transmissible. One of the elements of grace I want you to connect with today that is available this morning here is the grace for dramatic results. I said grace for dramatic results. We saw that even through the testimonies here, God was already, the testimonies are prophecies. We saw the results. Somebody, a big firm says no to somebody. Family, no. Then the same firm comes back and says, please don't interview anymore if you're interviewing with any other company. And the next thing you get is an offer. And this is not the first time I've seen this. This has happened several, several times in this, in this place where this happens, where they say no, and they call you back and say so and so and so and so and so. Somebody else felt they were left to the last option in the options they have of getting admission. Last option. Then God says, it might be the last option, but I only used one stone to kill Goliath. It was David that took five, but I only needed one. Somebody that was in the hospital for 66 days, more than half of those days, they were on life support. Had stroke in the midst of all of this. That was not the reason why they were admitted. But in the middle of, in the midst of all of that, they had stroke. They had all my other I know because I know the story very well. The person had clots several times. Five surgeries, as you had in the person's testimony. In the midst of all of that, today, if except the person tells you, you will never believe that they went through that. Dramatic turnaround. Dramatic turnaround. I want you to lift your voice today because you're due for a major turnaround this month. This month, we're due for a major turnaround this month. You are due for a major turnaround this month. You are due for a swift turnaround this month. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lift your voice. The Bible says we come boldly to his throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, grace for a turnaround. Grace for a dramatic, positive turnaround. Lord, I receive from you today. Somebody lift their voice and begin to pray. When the Lord turned the captivity of Zion 
We were like those who were dreaming. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Come on, somebody pray. Father, I pray. Your word says, and Joseph said, concerning his brothers, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Father, everything that's been meant for evil in my life, let it be turned around for good today. In the name of Jesus, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Let that be my testimony also. Genesis 50 verse 20. Let that be my testimony. I'm praying I want that to be my testimony. That what the enemy meant for evil in my life, I can boldly say, you have turned it around for good. When the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, when like those who were dreaming, our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Father, let that be my testimony today. Oh, turn it around in my favor. 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 In Exodus chapter 2, the mother of Moses put Moses on the water. She thought she had lost Moses forever. But you turn it around for her good. You turn it around for her good. Lord, I pray, turn it around for my good. Repako Tomase. Oh yes, let it be turned around for my good. Pray, 10 seconds more. Pray, 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 10 seconds more. Let it be so, oh God. Make a lot of desire. Glory to your name, oh God. Thank you, my Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Last prayer point before I pray by the grace of God for you. Let me say this to you. By the word of the Lord, you are due for promotion. By the word of the Lord, you are due for promotion. You are due for promotion. In the name of Jesus, you are due for promotion. Opportunities are coming your way before the end of this month. Major opportunities are coming your way before the end of this month. Major opportunities are coming your way before the end of this month. Friends, don't take those words lightly. This is God speaking to you. Major opportunities are coming your way before the end of this month. In the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to lift your voice and make that personal. Father, you have said major opportunities are coming my way. Let it be so. Let it be so for me. Thank you, Lord. Let it be so. You are the one that opens and nobody can shut. You are the one that has the key of David. You open and nobody can shut. Major opportunities are coming my way. Let it come. Let it come, my Father. Open your mouth and pray. Open your mouth and pray. pray. Major, 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 major opportunities in the name of Jesus. Major, 
Major opportunities are coming my way. Oh, Makoto said. Oh, Nakolataya. Let it be so for me. Let the doors open. The doors of destiny. The doors to greatness. The doors to abundance. The, the doors to extraordinary exploits. Let it open for me this month. In the name of Jesus. Your word says, we have not. Because we ask not. Ask and it shall be given. I'm asking you this morning for doors, major opportunities, oh God. Things that my, my own qualification in the natural cannot access. I pray, my Father. Pray. You still have one minute. Let's do it. Pray. Pray. Don't keep quiet. Pray. Lomaskoya, I'm expecting the opportunities of God. Mirabosh Telegenesia, Mirabosh Aqua Delemetosia, opportunities of God. You open doors. Alelebosia, Alentendelebosia, Alentendelebosia. Somebody open their mouth and pray. Depotale Gesele Katayagada, Ombrale Katoma Delemetosiataya, Iletan Dorogonosia. Open their mouth and pray. Alem Batosiatele, Alem Batosialata, Alem Batolosiatele. Oh God of heaven, you open and nobody can shout. You are the lifter of my countenance, oh God. You are the lifter up of my head. Open the doors to me. This month, this month, my father, this month, oh God, let me be promoted this month. I ask, oh God, for doors to open to me this month. Major doors. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, my Father. Glory to your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. Friends, we have stirred up prophetic grace. I'm about to pray for you now. Please take this very seriously. As the Lord lives that called me, this month, you will experience major opportunities. From places you are expecting and from places you are not expecting. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Opportunities you pursued in time past that looks like they have been lost now. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I command a restoration in your life in Jesus' name. I command a restoration in your life in Jesus' name. Joseph had a dream, Genesis 37, verse 5, verse 9, he had another dream. He thought he was lost when in Genesis 39 and 40, he ended up in prison. But in Genesis 41, verse 14, they knocked on his door and he said, the king is calling you. The king is calling you. And for the first time in his life, the prison door opened. First door that opened. If the prison door opens and somebody walks on the street, that's freedom. But that was not the only door. Then the palace door opened. You see, 
He needed these two doors to open to him. The prison door needs to be opened so that the former injustice can be corrected. And the palace door needs to open so that compensation can be paid. There's somebody under the authority of my voice today. You don't only need one door. You need two major doors in succession. In the name of Jesus, I decree it is so for you. By the word of the Lord, it is so for you. There's somebody here. They've told you, they ask, even asking you, where is your God? I speak over your life today. Where you have been mocked, you will be celebrated in Jesus' name. For when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, well, like those who were dreaming. Please take this seriously. There's prophetic grace. I can, I can sense it. It's here. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. They said among the nations. They said among the nations. They said it among the unbelievers that, you know what? God has done great things for that brother. God has done great things for that sister. I pray concerning you, all the unbelievers in your family, all the unbelievers among your friends, they will ascertain, they will come to the conclusion, they will come to the decision that God Almighty is with you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Doors you have knocked upon all throughout this year, maybe last year, maybe in the last years, as has not opened. Please take this very seriously by the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ that I represent here to you today. May those doors now be open in Jesus' name. May they be open in Jesus' name. May they be open in Jesus' name. May they be open in Jesus' name. May the doors be open in the name of Jesus Christ. According to Psalm 118, verse 15, the voice of rejoicing, the voice of celebration shall be heard in the tabernacle of the righteous. I decree over you, throughout this year, you are not permitted to sorrow. You are not permitted to sorrow. For he said unto the person that was leading the church originally, Peter, he said, listen, I give you the key. Whatever you permit on earth is permitted in heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth is forbidden in heaven. I stand here today as one God has sent to you and I decree Sorrow is not permitted in your life this month. This throughout this is not permitted in your life. Only rejoicing and celebration is permitted in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. One final declaration I want to make to you, make over you, is something that God spoke to me for myself. But like that person said in that testimony also, what I say to one, I say to all. Listen to me. God ministered to me that my time of blossoming has come. I'm still, I'm still drinking into that. I'm still drinking into that powerful word that the Holy Spirit ministered to me that my time for blossoming has come. It means that whatever it is that we think we've seen, we're not seeing anything yet. So I want to pray over you right now today that you're about to see dimensions of productivity and fruitfulness in your endeavors more than you can ever imagine in the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to write these words down as the Holy Spirit ministered to me. It will be easier than you thought. Just write it down. Whatever it is, it means. It, shall be, it will be easier than you thought. 
Whatever it is that that thing is, it will be easier than you thought. It will be easier than you planned. It will be easier than you expected. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. It shall be easier than you have planned. Have you written that down? Have you written that down? So I speak it over you right now. Whatever your pursuits are, whatever your endeavors are, I decree over you, it shall be easier than you expected. It will happen so fast, you will jump for joy. It will happen so fast, you will jump for joy. It will happen so fast, you will leap for joy. In the mighty name of Jesus. It will happen so fast, you will leap for joy. Finally, usually when people go into a prayer meeting and they go into the temple, into a prayer meeting, when they're coming out, is when a miracle can happen. Because they go into the prayer meeting to pray to God. When you're not coming out of the temple, then something can happen. But Peter and John were about to enter the temple in the hour of prayer. They've not gone in. This man is saying, please, please, don't, don't, I don't respect the miracle now because it's, it's not when you're coming back. In another one hour, Peter and John said, why are you slowing down your miracle? Why are you slowing down the manifestation of God in your life? Why are you postponing that issue to the end of the year? Why are you postponing that issue to the end of the year? Why are you saying in another two months? John chapter 4 said, lift up your eyes. The harvest is now ripe. I say again to you. Somebody is under the top of my voice. You are saying maybe I can't get married this year again. I'm sure it's going to be next year. Who told you? I'm decreeing over you today. That which you have been postponing and postponing and postponing, receive the manifestation in Jesus' name. It shall no longer be delayed. It shall no longer be delayed. It shall no longer be delayed. By the authority of Christ, I command the power delaying that which you are trusting God for to be broken today in Jesus' name. It shall no longer be delayed. It shall no longer be delayed. It shall no longer be delayed. In the name of Jesus Christ. Well, if you receive that and you know it shall no longer be delayed, stamp your feet on the floor, open your mouth, give him a shout of praise. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.